Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. If you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, before we get into the text, we're going to start in verse number 22. I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a background of where we find ourselves here in Acts chapter number 16. We find that Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey, and they're traveling the uh, uh, country, visiting the Gentile nations, and they come to a place called Philippi. And as they come to Philippi, they run into a lady by the name of Lydia. Lydia, the Bible says, is a seller of purple. And as they begin to discuss with Lydia, they give her the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for her, uh, that he was buried, and that three, on the third day he rose again. She hears this message, the good news of the gospel, and she receives Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Moving on, he, run, he comes into a, uh, the Bible says, a damsel who was possessed with the Spirit. And as he comes, as Paul and Silas approach this, this damsel that he, they go to her and cast this demon out from, from this woman. She had some certain uh, uh, owners, we had, had some men that owned her. She was a fortune teller. They got upset about this. There goes their profit. There goes their money. So they bring Paul and Silas to the rulers, to the magistrates. And we find ourselves here in verse number 22 of what happens next. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse number 22, and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises Unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about the most important question ever asked. The most important question that's ever been asked. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We are so thankful that we can come to your house and just sing praises to your name. God, that we can lift our hands in adoration and surrender to you. God, because you are worthy of all the worship that we can give. And today we say thank you, Jesus, for the blood that has been applied. Lord, we say thank you, Jesus, because it has washed us white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved our life. God, as we get into your word this morning, I pray that you would 
begin to deal with our hearts, if we've never asked ourselves this question, what must I do to be saved? That today we would ask ourselves that question. We would ask you that question and discover the answer. Father, that today, if there's someone here that does not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. God, I ask that you would please use me as your vessel today, that you would fill me with your Spirit, that you would give me the exact words to say that you would want to be said. God, we do love you. We're so thankful for you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. There are many questions being asked around our world today. We ask questions all the time. Some questions uh, on a daily basis, like when we go to McDonald's and we ask, is your ice cream machine working, right? And we hope to to have the right answer. Uh, We have questions uh, sometimes that will determine our future. Like the time that we came to our spouse and we got on one knee and we said, will you marry me? And we really hope and pray for the right answer, right? We have questions uh, in regards to our world today. Like what's going to happen in Russia and Ukraine? What's going, how is that going to affect us here in America? How is our economy going to be in the next five years? We have those certain questions. But it also seems that very few are asking the most important question of all. In this text, the prison guard ask the most important question that has ever been asked in human history. He asks the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You notice that this prison guard, he didn't didn't ask, "How, how in the world did these doors of my prison open just like that? He didn't ask the question, have any of my prisoners escaped? He didn't ask the question, who am I going to blame for this? Instead, he asks a question that gets to the heart of his problem as an individual. He asks a question that gets to the heart of the problem for every person in the entire human race, and that is, what must I do to be saved? And you might be thinking today, well, what saved from what? The Bible says for the wages, the payment of sin is death. That death is an eternal separation from God, and that is the payment for our Sin, and that is what we need to be saved from is that eternal separation from God. I would like for us to examine that question today. And and as we do, I want you to ask the question within your own heart. And for a few moments this morning, stop asking all the questions about the things that are happening in your life and ask yourself the most important question that's ever been asked What must I do to be saved? You know, the great thing is, is that this passage not only poses the question, but I praise God that it gives us the answer to the question. And I want us to see here first, number one, when it comes to the most important question ever asked, we find the reason for this question. We find the reason for this question. Look at verse number 25 and 20 through 27. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. We find here that the prison guard believed that he was going to die. What provoked 
this question was his fear. He believed that he was going to die because under the Roman law, that's exactly what would happen to this, this Philippian jailer if he had lost his prisoners. He would be put to death. It was the fear of his own punishment. It was the fear of his own death that brought him to the feet of Paul and Silas to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? You see, every person who gets saved from their sin, from that eternal separation from God, all have to come to Jesus by faith. There's no question. However, the road that leads individuals to him may be different for all. We find with Lydia, Lydia just heard the gospel, heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and she received it. We find in this man's position in his life, it was fear that brought him to his knees to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? You see, whatever it might be in your life that brings you to the question for yourself to ask, what must I do to be saved? Thank God for that. Thank God for that. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We find that the reason for this question was provoked by fear, but it was also provoked by the apostles' faith. Look at verses 28 through 30. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, it's very interesting here that this guard did not take the time to go secure the doors. It's interesting to me that the guards did not, the guard did not hurry to try to find any prisoners that have, might have, have escaped. No, he was more, he was concerned with, his, with saving himself in this moment. You see, as he laid down in his bed that night to sleep, there were two men named Paul and Silas who were singing praises to Jesus. These were two men that, by the way, they just have been beaten severely, and yet they're laying there and they're praising God. Not because of their circumstances, but because of what Jesus had done for them. But because of the, the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ, they were praising, they were thanking him for the blood that was applied. And we find that this individual heard them singing. And his heart began to become convicted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had, he'd probably never given Jesus a, a moment's thought before that night. But when he heard these men and what they were singing and what they were saying about Jesus, and, and, and his, we understand that God used that in their life to open up their spiritual eyes. Maybe you came here today and you heard believers singing about the wonderful blood of Jesus Christ that he has applied on our account. Maybe you're here today and you see, you've seen believers here today that were crying in, in worship because of how great Jesus has been to them. Maybe you're here today and you've seen on our faces in, and in unity, a body of believers that say, hey, we are so excited to be here because we want to worship the one who saved us. We want to worship the one who gave his life for us. Maybe that's brought you to ask yourself the question, what must I do to be saved? Maybe you were invited here today by a friend to church today and You've seen in their life that's just there's just something that's different. Maybe it's just this joy that they have in their life, and it's like, 
wow, what do they have that I don't have? How, how do they have so much joy? Maybe it's a love that they have that, that maybe you don't possess and, and you see that, that they have that and you ask the question, how can I have a relationship with Jesus? What must I do to be saved? We find this man, he was the reason for this question was fear. It was fear of death. It was fear of where his soul would spend all of eternity. But number two, we find here the response to the question. We find the response to the question. Look at verse number 30 with me. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What does Paul and Silas do here? They point the guard to the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul do here? He is lifting up Jesus as the sinner's only hope for salvation. This is what the Bible teaches. The disciples, when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he, he, he was telling them of the way. And, and, and one of the disciples said, Jesus, how do we know the way? How do we know the way to you? How do we get to you? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through me. That's what Jesus told them. He was the way. I know we live in a society that seeks to find the good in all religions. And there are aspects of all religions of the world that make, it, uh, that make them appealing to certain people. I know that there are, and we can say this with confidence, there are good people. There are great people, moral people in all religions. However, the only way any person anywhere can ever be saved from eternal separation from God is by receiving Jesus Christ as their savior from sin. It may sound narrow-minded to you this morning, and it might sound exclusive to you, but it is what the Word of God teaches us. It's not about religion. It's not about what works you can do to be accepted by God because we're not perfect and we can never gain the acceptance of God by what we do. It's not about religion. It is about a person. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ because He did everything that we needed to be accepted by God. You see, Jesus is the one who left heaven to be born in human flesh. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word is Jesus Christ. Understand, He is the one who lived a perfect and sinless life. The Bible says that Jesus was someone who knew no sin. Jesus is the one who died for you and for me on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is he who is the one who was raised from the dead on the third day after he died, conquering death for you and for me. He is the one who ascended back into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. It is the blood of Jesus Christ alone that saves us. You can try any method that you please until you're wore out, burned out, but only Jesus Christ can save you from eternal separation from God. 
You see, it involves a person. The response to this question also involves a plan. The guard told, the, the, the prison guard was told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is that he was to place his faith in Christ and his finished work alone for salvation. You see, I think that's, this is where many people miss salvation. They cannot grasp the fact that people are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. There was once a missionary in Africa, and he was trying to translate the gospel of John into his native tongue. And as he came to John 3.16, he really struggled finding a word for believeth. He couldn't find the right word to translate in his native tongue for the word believeth. And he struggled that for many, many weeks. And until one day he had a, a certain man in the village and he was running down the path that led to this missionary's house. And he came upon the missionary's porch and out of breath, he flopped himself down in a chair and said in his native tongue, it feels good to cast my whole weight upon this chair. It was in that very moment that the missionary knew that he had found the word that he needed to translate, that faith in Jesus means to cast your whole weight upon him. Maybe you're here today and you have an intellectual understanding of the truth and you believe it in your head, but you have never fully placed your complete trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith. Let me say this today with all the love that I have inside of me, you cannot trust in Jesus plus your works for salvation. With all the love inside of me, you cannot trust in Jesus Christ plus your church membership for salvation. You cannot trust Jesus Christ plus your uh, uh, whatever, you fill in the blank for salvation. He must be trusted exclusively for your salvation. I'm thankful that it's that way. I'm thankful that Jesus did everything so that I might be right, made right before God. I'm thankful that that weight is not on my shoulder, that Jesus took the weight of all of our sin upon his shoulder when he died for us. The response to this question involved a person, Jesus Christ. It involved a plan, belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the wonderful thing. It involves a promise. The Bible says, thou shalt be saved. There's no maybe, there's no might. Thou shalt be saved. The word saved is an awesome word. It means to be rescued from all harm and danger, to keep safe and sound. You see, the promise is clear. Believe on Jesus and what he did for you and you will be saved. You know, that promise was good then, and that promise is still good today. That promise that the Philippian jailer was given is still given to you today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You see, no one who has trusted Jesus should ever fear dying and being eternally separated from God in hell. Why? Because if your faith is in him, you have his word on your security. The Bible says in John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they, that, and, and they shall never perish, 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The same God that had the power to save you has has the same power to keep you safe. However, you need to be sure that you are in him, that you've believed in him. We find here, when it comes to the most important question ever asked, we see the reason for this question. We see the response to this question. And then lastly, we see the results of this question. We see the results of this question. Look at verse number 34. The Bible says this, And when he had brought them into his house, sorry, verse number 32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord. They gave him the gospel and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and was washed and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. In verse number 34, it tells us, that after he heard the gospel, he believed and was saved. You see, there's a difference between historical faith and saving faith. Historical faith believes the facts of the Bible, but saving faith embraces the Jesus Christ of the Bible. You see, think of it, think of it this way. When you're out driving and you come to the foot of Hathaway Bridge, everyone knows what Hathaway Bridge is, right? You come to the foot of Hathaway Bridge you don't just, you don't pull over to the side of the road, stop and get on Google and, and look up who built this bridge. When was this bridge built? What materials was this bridge built out of? No, we simply by faith drive over that bridge with all the confidence in the world. That it's going to hold us, that it's, it's going to get us to the other side. But when it comes to our eternal soul, we will trust everything to save us except for the one that God says will work. Why is that? Why is that? Because people have come up with so many ways that you can save your soul. But God says the only way that works is salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? We are not saved by something that we can do. It is the gift of God. It's a gift from God, not of our works, lest any man should boast. You see, it led to this man's salvation, but it also led to service. We find here, as soon as this man gets saved, a, a change becomes evident in his life. In verse number 24, he's throwing Paul and Silas into prison. That word cast means to cast or to throw something without caring where it's going, in, going to land. He just cast them in. He treated them that way. But in verses 33 through 34, he is seen washing their wounds. He is seen feeding them at his table. He's a new creature. He's demonstrated that by being baptized, by serving others. This is, that is the experience of, of every person who comes to Jesus by faith. He changes us. The Bible says that, 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 that uh, there, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There should be a new desire in your heart, a new love in your heart, a new peace in your heart, a desire to live for his glory when he saves you. This man, his salvation, it led to service. 
but it also led to satisfaction. In verse number four, 34, what does it say he does? And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced. You see, a few verses before, he's fearing his own life. He's about to take his own life. He's miserable. But when he comes to Jesus and when he knows and he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? He's rejoicing. He's rejoicing. I can imagine him going to the dinner table and saying, Paul, Paul, you and Silas, when I heard you singing at midnight after you had just been beaten to inches of your life, I thought you guys were crazy. But now that I know Jesus and now that I know what he's done for you and I know what he's done for me, I, I, can, I can rejoice with you because of how great Jesus is. You see, meeting Jesus makes all the difference in life. He transforms the dead into life, the lost into the found, the miserable into the joyful, and the sinner into his child. He fills the hearts of his children with peace and joy and permanent satisfaction. Will you have struggles? Will you still have trials? Will you still have worries in this life? Absolutely, because we're still in this flesh. But you'll have someone to go through it with you. You'll have someone who will give you the peace to make it through. Let me say this, you are, you're not going to find lasting satisfaction in, in anything in this world. Only in Jesus will you find true joy. Only in Jesus will you find true joy. I'll close with this. That night, the Philippian prison guard there's three things. He recognized his need. He needed help. He was fearful. It, it led him to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? He recognized his need. Not only that, but he was, he was made aware of a savior. And then he responded to the gospel. He responded to the gospel. Let me say this today. Today you've been here it's not by coincidence, I don't believe. I believe it's by, by divine appointment. And understand today, I hope that you have recognized your need. We all have that need to be made right with God. We all have that need. Why? Because of sin. Because of one man's sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin. For all have sinned. We have a need for salvation. And today, I hope you've realized that you have a Savior. You have a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And He went to the cross for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And He's coming back one day to receive His children. But it's your choice today to respond to the gospel. Your choice to respond. Will you believe it or will you reject it? What is the main question that has your attention today? Is it questions of war, economy, troubles of the world, bringing you fear and confusion? Let me encourage you today to ask the most important question ever asked. What must I do to be saved? And Paul clearly answers it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.
Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.